Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we have a guy who's in, born in England, I assume. Yep. Lives overseas now, but he's invested in Nigeria. We're going to find out how, why, and what his experience is like. So nice to have you here today, Steve. Pleasure. So, why Nigeria? What took you there? So I was working out there for uh, a couple of years when I was uh, about 26, 27. So I was uh, living in uh, in Lagos. I had a flat there, um, in this, well, and then quite an interesting bit at Lagos. Uh, so I worked out there, worked out in Nairobi for a bit, and uh, Cape Town as well for a little while. Okay. What what was your role? I was uh, selling beer. I won't oh, okay. say which one, but I was uh, working for a brewery out there. Okay. Okay. And how did you find their sales experience different from when you were in England? Yeah, I mean, Nigeria's uh, great fun, I would say. It's pretty hardcore. I think, uh, uh, yeah, I find most Nigerians that I've met, albeit it's probably a small number in the grand scheme, great fun, brilliant negotiators, uh, will always um, try and take whatever they can, but then have a laugh with it. So, uh, yeah, it was good fun, but it's hard work out there. Pretty underdeveloped back in those days, but yeah, I enjoyed it. How long ago was this? Uh, 10, 15 years ago, I reckon. What's the uh, business environment like? Is it quite like, um, is wow. there a strong sort of rule of law? Under so, so, this is quite contact? funny actually, because everyone talks about corrupt Nigeria. I was there when all the British MP scandal came out with mm. the lads who were paying for their moats out of expenses and things. So uh, all the Nigerian lads I used to work with had a great time talking about how corrupt Nigeria was, but uh, uh, how all the British MPs were doing exactly the same thing and getting away with it. And to be fair, I think they're right. So um, yeah, that uh, it makes you realise actually that um, you have an opinion in places like that, but it's just as bad, in my opinion. I hear that. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I, I always talk about it as direct corruption and indirect corruption. Yeah. The British government puts a spin on it with a piece of paper saying it's law, it's okay, where the Nigerians yeah. forget to produce the piece of but paper. But none of those MPs who were cheating their expenses got sacked, not a single uh, one. Uh, I mean, if you pay for a moat on expenses with, and work for a private company, you're getting sacked immediately. So I think it's worse, because that's entitlement. Not to uh, make this about that scandal, but wasn't one of the problems, to your point, that actually what they were doing wasn't it? I don't think what they're doing was illegal, was it? it some, was just a rule some were illegal. Yeah. Where like I think Tony Blair gave back a load of money. Uh, <laughs> really? right. It's uh, like how can you get it's like get caught robbing the bank? Oh, I'm putting the money back yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get. There's also spirit of the law and rule of the law, especially yeah, in yeah. a position of power. I think. I remember going out to uh, went to Abuja and then was going out into the kind of rural area beyond Abuja and went to a little local airport and there was something like 25 private jets parked there. And the local religious leader, priest or whatever, had a, a house that was a, um, a replica, but a bigger version of the White House nice. in, in the US. <laughs> okay. that, that's where he lived, and that, that was always pretty amazing. So you said you worked in Nigeria, was it and Kenya? South Africa, Kenya, South Africa, South Africa were Uganda. Big, were there big differences in each country in terms of how business operates? A little bit. So I remember in South Africa there was a guy who um, apparently had been on the rake for like a decade. No one had ever known, no one would have ever found out. He had a whole little ruse. And then one day he drove into work in a yellow Hummer and that's how he got caught. Because <laughs> he was in like a low level job and he just drove into work in a yellow Hummer. And as soon as that happened then... Um, Obviously, they did a bit of an investigation. Yeah, it's normally stupid people that get caught.
But the interesting thing is, regardless of corruption, the authorities still found it unacceptable because because they did an investigation. They yeah. didn't look at it as, oh, well, you know, he's probably corrupt, but that's yeah, like... that's true. I mean, as soon as it was found out, they followed up on it, yeah. Mm. I remember sitting in a, uh, a work meeting in London, and we had all, like, people from different countries all around the world coming in. There was a whole um, uh, discussion about uh, what was acceptable and what wasn't and where the line was in terms of corruption within the business and all these examples of you know, people who'd been offered briefcases of cash and stuff. And I remember the guy at the front going, look, when you go out for dinner, you need to treat it as if it's your own money. Don't go and spend a ton of cash. He's like, who here would have lobster for dinner every day? This one lady put her hand up and he's like, I assume you're joking, like no one has lobster every day. And she's like, no, no, I live in the Seychelles. We just catch lobster off the back of our house. We've got a little pier. Mm. And I have, uh, I have lobster every day for dinner. And that like destroyed the whole compliance discussion for the whole day. Is the, were the, were the organisations you're doing business with, were they sort of multinationals or was it a lot of like mix, local mix. businesses? and A mix. But then I worked in Vietnam as well. And I remember there the tax authorities came in and they stayed there for two weeks doing a full tax audit. And then uh, they, at the end of two weeks, they said, right, we haven't found anything wrong here. But, you know, you're doing everything within the law, right? And I know they said, so we're going to stay here until we find something that you've done wrong, or you give us $50,000. Yes, I knew that was coming. Yeah. I knew that was coming. I heard that before. So Vietnam's the worst part. I mean, no, but I've heard the same thing for Kenya as well. Oh, really? I used to live in Kenya, yeah, yeah. Uh, where people just said, listen, why make me do work? Just give me some money. Give me the cash, and I'll, then, and I'll go. Yeah, a place Very I simple. worked would never ever do that, which I always, I quite respected it for. They'd rather go through the motions than mm. do that. But you think about it as a business owner, in yeah. some cases, you'll be like, oh, just take them. But because they can you, shut you down. I mean, they you, don't need a reason to shut you down yeah. anywhere. That's the... Uh, but if you're the business owner and, you're, and you know things have gone adrift, you yeah. can stay afloat forever. Yeah. As long as you're just paying off whoever you, you needs to. You worked in Egypt. You must have had some... Yeah, we had to... Um, this is a long time ago, it's like 20, over 20 years ago. You are quite old. I was very young. He's younger than me. I was 20. And we had a, it was all fairly normal. And the biggest thing that you noticed was just the wealthy vibe. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was able to accept that. Some people really struggled with like the privilege that you have as a white, you know, an English, white English young student basically turning up. Strange how as a white and young people, English student you were comfortable with the privilege. Anyway, levels. you're immediately, you're immediately Mahandas, which is like engineer, which is quite a big uh, title. Title, and um, that, that you haven't earned. And people ask you, oh, how much do you earn then? And you very quickly, which wasn't much by English standards, but you couldn't say ever how much you earned because it would just cause massive yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah. Really experienced like, all the years wages in London. And they're probably more skilled more than, than you as well. So there was that to deal with. I made the mistake of, of giving, uh, we had like some child labour on site and I felt sorry for one of them. I made the mistake of giving him like some change once because I just felt sorry for him. And then I had like half the kids on yeah. the site asking me for money. How so do you cope with lesson. having child labour on site? When you say child labour, how old what was you? What was your role then? What so, was, so, what? so we were building like uh, a big... Big, Are you um, building pyramids out there? No, <laughs> film studios. Okay. And then um, what happens if you sort of plus the farmers <coughs> in from south southern Egypt? Mm -hmm. And so they come with like they, they come with their kids and then the kids are sort of young teenagers and they they've obviously faked their uh, 
Oh, so so they're like six years yeah, old. They're learning, they're they're learning like their young, father's trade. Then. They're learning yeah. their father's. They're young. They're young. They're, they're sort of young teenagers. And uh, yeah, not child. They're like very young. But they seemed young to me, and I was twenty. Yeah. Mm. So, but we had one thing which was like uh, a. Uh, it, 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 we were aware of corruption at all, all levels. So we had a, a kitchen that we were fitting with all Italian kitchen equipment, and it was in a, a tax. So all of our kitchen equipment went into this secure compound on site, locked in tagged containers. And then I came in on Friday, which is our day off, to oversee opening of the containers. Yeah. Got to snap the seals, snapping the seals, check everything. Um, and the customs guys turned up. who were these sort of old, portly Egyptian uh, yeah. customs officials. And um, and then at one point during the day, uh, one of my colleagues just told me to uh, just take a walk. <laughs> because if things were going a bit slow, just take just take a walk, go and get some uh, sandwiches or something, and come back. And everything will be sorted. And then suddenly everything was all sorted out, and uh, all the papers were signed, all the, all, everything was passed off, and all the containers were being unloaded. But yeah, there was some brown envelopes but talk, lying around there. I, I, I mentioned earlier I used to work on the ships. When you're going through the Suez Canal, it's standard that you give gifts yeah. to yeah, all, of the, all of the... Um, yeah. It's a cultural way yeah, of doing business. As, as you say, it's always a certain amount of crates, they call it pop, like a crate of Coca-Cola, whatever. Sometimes they get like eight um, trays, you know, the 24 yeah, things, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you get whatever else and some alcohol and cigarettes. You, you try not to give money. Um, yeah. that's, if you want to get through with one of your MSC, Maersk, whatever, yeah. it's the it's standard. It. standard. Yeah. So yeah, you're in the I was in the Marines, but then when I was working on the ships, it was private. It was like kind of oh, mercenary so kind yeah, of thing, okay. yeah. yeah. But you were on the ships guarding the piracy, basically. Yeah, yeah, in that respect. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is it still private? Sorry, sorry. Is it, no, no, no. <laughs> right, no I know, it's, it's, your curiosity is delving in now. Yeah. Um, what would be your advice from both of you, Steve and Bob, to people, younger people, who are going to go out and work in Africa? Based on your experience, oh, definitely do. I mean, it was the best. Yeah. It was the best. I mean, Sam was out there for. Sorry, Steve was out there. <laughs> Steve was out there for a lot longer than me. Uh, I was very young when I did it, and it was the best thing I could possibly have done. So I had my twenty-first birthday out there. Um, I got like a lot, lot more freedom, and um, definitely kind of opened my eyes to like. You're able to sort of look back at home mm. and see in a completely new light. Yeah, I agree with that. So you got used to living in. Well, it's pretty nice when it's sunny every day for a year because you're in a good mood every single day. Mm. Um, I got my own car, flat. Got to immerse myself in a different culture. Mm. Every single thing is interesting. Even going to the shop is interesting because you have to learn a different language. Did you learn the languages? Yeah, I learned a fair bit of Arabic. Yeah. Enough to like, you know. Holidays, you're given the option to come home, which I never did. And, uh, <laughs> just spend the money either going on holiday, like where we were, so mm. go diving, mm. or spend the plane ticket on a trip to Thailand or something. Like yeah. that. Something that I would never have been able to have done. Yeah. Age. Um, so yeah, I thought it was just just absolute. I didn't want to come home. Mm. It was a brilliant experience. That's that's good to hear. Yeah, I did a lot of that. 
um, when I was on the ships, when I there was a downtime because there wasn't a, it's all contract based. Yeah, yeah. were you like yeah. month on month off? Or? No, sometimes uh, the longest I've done is six and a half months on, and the shortest is like a week. So it just varies. It's a, if vessels come by, your name's up, you're available. That's why one year I took 35 long haul flights in one year, and I just said, all right, that's, that's it. <laughs> I don't need to see a play for a while. Yeah, yeah that, that kind of thing. Um, but great interesting experience and yeah I see what you're saying about getting up and traveling I have to ask you did at any time at all you guys feel nervous uncomfortable because a lot of people always ask me yeah but is it safe is uh, it I, I, really I was out there four years and I was like all over the place not just in, you're in more technically dangerous yeah places I mean we were in places where you were locked in compounds at night I had um, when I used to leave Lagos Airport, there'd be an armoured car in front and behind with mm. four or five guys with machine guns. When I went out and about, I'd have two bodyguards, one with a machine gun, one with a pistol, who was ex-special services. Never felt unsafe once. Mm. That's because you were with two bodyguards. <laughs> <laughs> was never in a situation. Maybe though, like no, I mean, was for me, the, the, never the, in a situation where you thought I shouldn't be here. The most nervous yeah. I felt was like a sort of driving through the Sinai Desert and you come to like the checkpoints. Yeah. You're completely. It's just you. You and them. And a mate. Um, you may or may or may or may not have had a couple of beers in the car on the way through the. Oh yeah, he did. <laughs> but you're putting yourself. You're like those tourists, those English tourists who go to Thailand and get caught with opium. Yeah, yeah. that's what you're thinking yourself. And you know their rules. Yeah, no, exactly. So you know actually, the, rules, like that, the worst thing, the most, the most, the most worrying thing was yourself, our own behaviour. Yeah, because we had so much freedom. Yeah, I think I think that's one young, thing. Though, but that's one thing you've got to watch. I think you can, you see how some people act like idiots because you have so much freedom and you can kind of do what you want and you got cash. Mm. But I think you have to keep your kind of moral compass. But really, then I but then honest. say that. But then like I had friends coming over and visit me towards the end of the year, and they'd come straight over from England and join me, and they were having a great laugh. And then one of them said, "Oh, can I drive the car for a bit, like through the through the desert, like on the road?" He was going on and on about it, and I said, "Yeah, okay then, but you just got to like take it easy." And it made me realise we I let him drive for about ten minutes, and nearly killed us because like a, mm. a truck was coming around the corner, and I knew this truck was going to go onto the other side of the road because that's what they do. Mm. But he just assumed he would just be driving like, like, a, West. like, like in like in England. Mm. And so you you definitely we definitely acclimatised. Definitely, I mean, I used there. to get cars on the weekend, just drive all over the place into middle of nowhere, like. I drove through Malawi on my own and stuff like that. But you realise that like 99% of the people around the world will help you if you need help. Even more so, I think, in Africa than in London or in... Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think people mm. are just... Yeah. One thing I noticed when I was... Sorry to cut you there. One thing I noticed about crime when I was in Kenya, I never saw a fist fight with men. I didn't see any violence with men. I saw prostitutes fighting. Oh, yeah. Which is understandable. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, but in the years I was there, 10 years overall, coming and going... Never saw any. That's quite like true, that. actually. Saw a lot of aggro, but never saw. A, I, did I never saw a big. Fight. I was regularly quite irresponsible in taxis, so we'd get a taxi. We'd get a taxi from the rugby. That's club. great that you're saying that while sat in the taxi. Down I'm sure that's the, filling everyone with confidence. We'd get a taxi from the rugby club down to the pub, and you'd come onto a road called the Corniche where no one can stop. So it's like a it's a dual carriageway, both directions going down the Nile. And I'd wait until we were on the Corniche. And you I was were a proper expat. Full of, you? I was full of beer. 
Correct wind that. down the window and then climb onto the roof and then surf, surf the taxi down the taxi. Was this the time, this was the time to Barak was in power? This was pre, pre-Obama. I think yeah, no, you're... No, 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 it'd be Mubarak. Oh, it was Mubarak. Yeah, Mubarak. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Mubarak was in power. He's a serious dude, though. Yeah, no, it's such a stupid thing to do. <laughs> I think you're exactly and then the I, kind of person that Africa doesn't want coming yeah, to Africa. Yeah, and then I sort of climbed back into the taxi and then came home. And then the week after we got home, uh, 9-11 happened. Mm. And I think in hindsight, I realised what a serious... Mm. How silly I've been behaving mm. in quite a country with a very serious undercurrent going on mm-hmm. because all the roads that we lived on were immediately knocked down because there was like diplomats lived on those roads and mm. I think I sort of look back and I was like, I'm quite lucky I got away with everything I got away with it mm. when I was out there. But it's good, good memories. Very good memories and, and, and some good, very good friends as well. That was the other thing about doing something like that. You make some solid friends because mm. uh, both Egyptian and, um, mm. uh, and expats. Because you're just all st- you're all stuck out there together. Like yeah, that village, so. everyone makes that village lifestyle. Based on your experience, I know it's a while ago now. What country, if any country, would you invest in if you had the money? Oh. I assume you have. I don't know if you. Because that depends. I think you've got countries where you can see massive returns. Like Nigeria would be the obvious example. Nigeria is probably going to see more growth than just about anywhere in the world. And then you've got countries like Rwanda where you've got a real strong set of systems around it, so you've probably got less risk mm. in terms of what can happen. Because it depends what you're investing in, but mm. it's very easy to invest in something that can disappear overnight. You've got to be willing to take the risk, I think. But I would probably go East Africa before West Africa, although Nigeria, Ghana. I mean, now, now, now Ghana's got gas and oil. I think there's so much growth to be had there. But mm. I, I think the main thing is that you've just got to be willing... It, it, it's slightly higher risk than it presumably, would be elsewhere. Presumably, it also depends what you're investing in. If yeah, exactly. If you're investing in land or, you know, are you investing in the stock market, etc., etc. Yeah. But I think Nigeria would be. Would well, Nigeria so much opportunity? The most there. populous country. So if you're investing in consumer yeah. goods, presumably that's like and the it's, biggest market. And it's got a very consumer-driven. Yeah, but uh, even mentality. though Nigeria's got the biggest population, Kiswahili is the biggest spoken language, yeah. African indigenous language. So that covers down to Mozambique, Tanzania, yeah, Kenya, it, 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 East Uganda. Africa operates yeah. as a single economic yeah. zone. Is, is there like free trade the, zone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, have, they have their well. issues. <laughs> They've had their yeah. issues, where, which has been entertaining. But then you've got South that. Africa, because Johannesburg is 10% of the GDP of Africa. Mm. So, But then South Africa, I mean, look at what the Gupta brothers have done to that place. So I think uh, mm. I would go East Africa probably. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't really know. But again, but again, again, it's kind of like, you know, to, to your point, it's very interesting, isn't it? Are you looking for more um, somewhere to park your money with stable returns where South Africa's got quite a mature set up in that In the current environment, with every all the chaos that's going on in the West, I think Africa looks more attractive. Mm. Would, you, would you invest in natural resources, services? What would you invest in? Water. Well, what we were just talking about yeah, was the um, North African solar... Solar parks, Part, yeah, in Morocco, yeah, that yeah, would Marco, be massive. That's feeding us now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, we're running those cables all the way. Through. I think there's a lot of that, that will help that make lot sense, yeah. Of, mm. of and also, na- natural resources. I mean, like, look at all the precious metals in Zim, in and DRC. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, DRC should be one of the wealthiest places on the on the planet. Technically, should be the wealthiest. Cobalt, yeah. You've obviously got massive ESG issues with all of that. With like. Yeah, I think for all precious metals, you've got ESG issues. That's, that's what I mean. Like you've got to then think about your um, 
I mean, those diamonds you've got in your Prince Albert didn't come from nowhere, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's ESG? Uh, uh, I missed that. What's ESG? Come on, you it's should like know this. Social, social and governance. It's like it's basically how um, sustainable and ethical your um, your investments are. So, oh, okay. so now lots of companies will get loans that are linked to their ESG targets. So if you do more ESG, you get a lower interest rate. Okay. Uh, you can argue that not investing isn't helpful. No, no. So I think the key is that you invest in um, companies that are based and owned in Africa rather than Western companies investing in Africa because mm. otherwise all the money is just landing in yeah, Glencore's so. pockets, in Ivan's pockets yeah. in Switzerland. Um, yeah, and investing locally is key. It's funny you spoke about that because I looked up the 10 biggest mining companies yeah. in Africa. Glencore. They're all owned by far, yeah, far, yeah, it will be. parties and things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Gentlemen, it's been very informative, very interesting hearing your points of view. I really, really appreciate it. And I uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. And I wish you well. Thank you. Thank you. Gents, I hope you like that. Oh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you like that episode. Very informative, as I said to them. There's a lot to learn, a lot to consider. You probably want to listen to this episode more than once, because I know I will. Have a nice day.